Love you guys. Well, listen, now that I've already got this gift, I don't think I'm going to preach. We're just going to, let's just head on out to lunch, babe. How about it? Hey, we're so glad to, to be here, Errol and I, and also JB, uh, who was leading, who got a beautiful voice. He, he leads worship at City Lots for us, so this is a big deal for JB and I to be here. Um, uh, I guess probably about two and a half years ago, I met Derek at a conference in Knoxville, and uh, we had a mutual friend that connected us, and I, was, I had just started our church, City Lights Church. We just turned three in September, so we're not too much farther ahead of you. We meet in the, the big, busting metropolis of Clinton, that's north, Knox, north of Knoxville. And, and Derek said, hey, I've got this dream that I want to plant a church. I want to start a new church. And at the time, our church was about 11 months old. We weren't even a year, a little bit before that. And I was like, hey, let's, let's schedule a time to go have some lunch. I don't know everything, but I'd love to meet with you and hear your story. At this time, him and Brittany and Zane and Lyric were living in, in Rutledge. And I'll never forget, we met at an Applebee's over by the Old East Town Mall. And we, we sat there, and we just began to dream together. And he told me that he'd had this dream for years and years and years, but he had never really pursued it the way that he wanted to. And maybe you've not ever planted a church, but you can relate with this idea of you dream of having a job or going back to school or, you know, becoming something or creating something. You just, you always have this dream, but you never pursue it, never do anything about it. And so I told Derek, I said, hey, if you want to make this vision a reality, I don't know everything. Uh, I really can't pay you much money, um, and I can tell you more about what I've done wrong than what I've done right, but I'd love for you to pack your family up and come move down this way and come be a part of City Lights Church. And I know you guys have been in a series about core values, and really what I want to umbrella today just for the next few minutes is this idea of risk. If you're going to see these, if you're going to see these um, core values come to pass, if you're going to see this church grow, you're going to have to take some risk. And I want to just tell you what your pastor has done when I invited him. He took a risk of so I, I said, hey, why don't you come do an internship with us? I don't know how much I can pay you. I don't know how beneficial it's going to be, but man, we're right in the throes of it, and you can come learn from us. That sounds pretty good. Could you imagine, you know, women, your husband coming home being like, hey, I've been offered this job, but I don't know if I'm going to get any money, and we have to move. Sounds pretty good, right? Women, you'd be like, yeah, go for it. So Derek, within like 48, 72 hours, he calls me and says, hey, I've turned in my resignation. I'm ready to pursue the Father. And I said, all right. This guy must just be as crazy as I am if, he's, if he accepted the proposal. So we began working together, and for two years, Brittany and Derek served at City Lots and their kids, and they, I mean, they served open-handedly. And we love Derek, we love Brittany, we love your pastor. And I think, I don't know if you understand this, but it's risky to start something. It's risky to start a church. It's risky to meet in an elementary school when society and our culture, the Bible Belt, sometimes doesn't see you as a legitimate church unless you have a brick-and-mortar facility. But I would just encourage you that the church is the people of God. It's never about the places of God. When we leave here this morning, this will just be a school. But right now it's a church because you're here. And my church in Clinton, when they leave about 1145, it's just a building with our logo on it. It's always about the people of God. And so Derek has taken a big risk to plant this church. And obviously he has great support and, and, and great family and love. And what I want to do is just for the remainder, probably just, uh, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. I'm kidding. Uh, what's funny is you say something like that, and it's always the Baptists that laugh because they're like a little bit nervous. Like, is he being serious or is he? No, just for the remainder of the time, I want to just, I want to talk with you about some scripture that I feel like is very relevant to this season of ministry that you're in. And keeping this idea that we're talking about risk, at City Lights, it's one of our core values. Risk is we have a big God, so we take big risk and we trust him for big results. 
And I want to share some scripture from the Old Testament that I think is going to be relevant. What I hope does is challenges you. I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you. Yet in my words, I want to comfort you to know that even in spite of your mess, in spite of your sin, in spite of your pride, that the Father still wants to use you. If you're a son and daughter of God, he has a plan for you. But you have a part in that. Shift Church has a part in this community of taking risks to reach people for the gospel. I think sometimes that what happens with Christians as we get older into our walk or we're seasoned, we become complacent, we become comfortable, we think we know everything, or we think we know a lot of things. And this is what I know about following Jesus is the closer I get to him, the farther away I realize I am. The more I understand his word, the more I realize there's a lot that I don't know. And so I want to challenge you to take risks, to have conversations, to share your faith, to stretch you, to to see this church grow. And just remember that we have a big God, so we should be taking big risks, trusting him for big results. In the Old Testament, there was a, a book uh, about a guy named Joshua. And here's, I want to just briefly set up the context. I'm going to read some scripture to you and, and just try to challenge you a little bit. There was a guy named Moses, and Moses has passed. His time has come, and he is gone. And there's a new guy on the scene. There's a new young buck on the scene. And he's basically, he's been handed the baton, and this is Joshua And God's speaking to him. This is um, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, excuse me, Moses, the Lord's servant, listen to this. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. I just want to remind somebody that's sitting here today that you feel like you've not heard from the Father. He speaks to his children. He speaks to them. It said he spoke to Joshua. If you're not hearing from him, it's not because he's not speaking. It's because you've prevented yourself from hearing the Father. He is not, I'm so grateful that he's not the author of confusion, that he speaks to us. Hey, listen, I don't know how you guys do it at Shift Church, but if the preacher's preaching good at City Lights, we respond, okay? So engage with me, okay? Engage with me. He spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Don't miss this. Leave me here, please. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. I believe the time has come in South Knoxville for a church to rise up and lead a group of people to reach a new generation, to do it a new way, to get passionate. And so I want to ask you this. It's diagnostic. Don't speak out loud. I'm doing the talking right now. What has the time come for you to do? What has the time come for you to do? Perhaps some of you men, it's to be the man that God's calling you to be in your home. It's to be, it's to be a better place and person in your place of work. It's to spend more time with your kids. It's to pursue the dream that God put on your heart 10 years ago like he did, Derek. It says, therefore, the time has come. There is no better time than right now. See, I'm so passionate about the gospel and I believe in the gospel that when we see these things, that it says, therefore, the time has come that I wanna live in a way that therefore my time is now. I'm all for investing and saving and planning and doing things of that nature, but what about now? There must be a sense of urgency with the gospel. There must be a sense of urgency. And this is what I'm talking about. Remember, it's risk. We've gotta take risk to reach people. And something very pharisaical happens in us the older we get in Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not really following Jesus, then that's okay. You can kind of sit on the sidelines, but I'm talking to the Christ follower right now. We get this pharisaical behavior in us. The older we get in Christ, the more we think we know. We think we're too good to do some things. We think for some reason it's no longer our job to share the faith. It's the next generation. Or you think people like me who get paid to do what I do because I'm a pastor or I'm a professional or I've been to Bible college, it's my job just to share my faith. It's your job. 
The time has come for you to step up, for you to do it. Derek's job is to lead this church and to shepherd it, but he cannot do this on his own. It's not the design, what God designed for his church. Courtney, he has a plan for you to share your faith where you live, work, and play. We can't just gather here on a Sunday morning and act like this is it. No, this is where we just come to get challenged and encouraged for the rest of the week. I gotta get back to my message. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. What has the time come for you to lead? Your home, your wife, your kid, your job. Some of you need to be stepping up in this church and leading. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. One moment, please. Anytime God calls us to something that with an opportunity, how many of you know a lot of times we're going to face some obstacles? Right? Anytime there's an opportunity, it's, it's almost like an obstacle always comes. So here God's saying, the time has come for you, Joshua, to lead these people. But he says, you've got to go across the Jordan River. And I want to ask you another diagnostic moral inventory question. What's the Jordan River that you need to cross this morning to get to the opportunity that God spoke to you? What's your Jordan River? I know for a lot of times, for me, the Jordan River is myself. It's my pride. Or may flip-flop that. It's my insecurity. It's my doubt. I can't do what you said I could do, God. What's the Jordan River you need to cross this morning to get to the promised land that God spoke over you? See, the time has come now to step into the land I'm giving them. Verse three, he says, listen to this. I promise you what I promised Moses. Let me hear too, please. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. What I love about this verse is he says, listen, I promise you what I promised Moses two times in the first sentence, he see, we see the word promise. Listen, only God, only God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And this is why sometimes we have problems trusting the Father because we compare him and his divinity to how we see humanity. And humanity fails us, it disappoints us, it discourages us, we let ourselves down. I mean, I've been with my wife for 15 years and I let her down, I disappoint her. I'm not the man that I always could be or I'm not as sweet as I could be or I'm not as always kind as I can be. And, and there's people in your lives that sometimes you're viewing the way you see your father by the way you see your brother or sister beside you. But he says, I promise you, Joshua, and the promise still stands this morning, Shift Church, that he has a promise for you. And he doesn't just make them, he keeps them. I promised you what I promised Moses, that wherever you set foot, keep in mind we're talking about risk here. I don't know how I moved back here, but I move around when I speak, so just hang with me. You'll set, wherever you set foot, You'll be on land I have given you. Now, let me share something really quickly with you. When Errol and I decided that we were going to plan a church, my wife, our original plan was we're going to go to Atlanta. We're always, we're from Clinton. We're East Tennessee. We love this area. We got married on Cleveland's Dome. But for some reason, this small town boy was like, hey, I'm going to this city of 5 million people. We're going to plant a mega church. Chris Tomlin's nephew is going to be our worship leader, and it's going to be awesome. And everybody should move down there and join it with us. And so we took these multiple trips to Atlanta, and we were a part of a really significant-sized church at the time, several hundred. And I remember the last time that we went down there, I sent out a text to like 60 people. Hey, because this is what we were doing, okay? We were praying for, let me, let me get some in, 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 um, engagement with me. How many of you have ever, and don't be ashamed because I'm fixing to tell you a story when I've done it. 
There's nothing to be ashamed about anyway, but how many of you have ever prayed something specific from God? God, should I take this specific job? Should I date this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? Okay. So we felt like we were going to Atlanta, and so I sent out all these texts to these people, 60 people. And that puts, you know, anytime you, you, you say you're going to do something and you send it to 60 people, that's like a big layer of accountability. Like, you can't go back, right? You got it. We're going now. So we go down to Atlanta, and this is what I'm praying, me and my wife. We're praying, God, what street are we going to live on? What, what's the house going to look like? What storefront, what school are we going to launch this church out of? Give me every specific detail about this journey. Errol and I get down there, and we take this vision trip and we just don't find any peace about planting there. And this is what the problem was. When I came back home that weekend, I was so disappointed, so discouraged, and even a little bit embarrassed because I'd sent out all these. And people knew that we were going down there to look. But there were 60 people that were praying for the specific will of God on my life, and I didn't feel like I received it. So I get back into town that weekend, and I'm driving up and down our boulevards. The, the main boulevard in Clinton is Charles Sievers Boulevard. Listen, if I fall through this, I've, I hope you all have insurance. I have assurance that I'm saved, but I hope you all have insurance. <laughs> I'm driving through Charles Sievers Boulevard, the main part of our city, and God just spoke something so clearly to me. And as I turn the radio up, I begin to hear him. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, lighten up, guys. It's church, okay? I didn't hear him through the radio. He just began to speak in my soul. He said, he said Peyton, you're going to love my people if you plant in Atlanta or you plant in Clinton. You're going to love my people if you plant in the city or you plant in the country. And what I'm trying to tell you is this morning is that God is not the pinpoint on the map. He's the whole freaking map. Look what he's saying here. Wherever you set foot, wherever you go. And here's something I want to just remind somebody this morning that you're feeling like you have to, the will of God is walking on the edge of a stage. No, God gives us freedom. If he's in us and us in him, then he's with me wherever I go. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for a specific job or a specific, if you're young and you're single for a specific spouse, but God gives us freedom to make some decisions He's with us wherever we go. He's with me here when I preach. He's gonna be with me when I go get lunch. He's gonna be with me when I go to my staff meeting this evening. He's gonna be with me when I lay my head down in bed tonight. He's with me wherever I go. I will be with you wherever you set foot. Somebody, listen, I'm either fixing to bring some freedom or I'm fixing to cause some frustration. Our God is not just a pinpoint. He's the whole map. You have freedom in him. You don't have to be bound by insecurity or doubt or wondering. Now the next verse, he just gives a, if you will, like a radius or a geographical. He says, I'm going to be with you wherever you go, wherever, whatever you step foot in the land I've given you. Verse 4, he says, from the Nagav wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Let me ask you something. Does that sound like one little pinpoint top of God? Listen, including all the land of people that live in Seymour. You know people in Seymour need Jesus. They should be here this morning. Listen to what he says in verse 5. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Listen clearly to the language. If you're in Christ this morning, you're taking risk for him. You're stepping out to reach people, to share your faith, to expand your knowledge. 
No one can stand against you. Interesting that he uses the word stand because how many of you know the enemy will come creep and try to lean up on you? Try to cause a little doubt in your mind, but that enemy nor any individual can stand against a child of God for as long as you live. Not just today for the hour that we're gathered, but for the rest of your life. Nothing can stand against you. What that means is things will come against you. You will be attacked. You will feel less than. Things are gonna happen to your family that you never saw coming, but the Father will see you through it wherever you set foot, and it will not stand against you. It may lean for a moment. It may lean for a season, but it will not stand. Listen, for I will be, listen to the intimacy of our God here. Reminder to the person who's been following Christ a long time, he's a good, good father. He's not a lightning bolt and condemnation. He's a Good, good father, listen to the intimacy. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. The promise that was with him is now the promise with Joshua. The promise that was with Joshua is now with the people of Shift Church. The promise still stands that God is with you. He sees you. And listen to what he says. I will not fail you. You know why it's hard for us to trust that and see that he will not abandon us? Because how many people in your life have done the very thing that we're reading about? They swore they wouldn't fail you. They swore they wouldn't abandon you, and they let you down. They hurt you. And so then we come to this, real, this real, uh, realization or this reality, this tension of how can I trust this God when everybody around me is failing me and abandoning me? But only God, only the intimacy of the heart of the Father can make that promise. And I want to share something with you. If we're going to take risk for the gospel, if we're going to take risk to see our families strengthened, listen, you want to change the world? You want to change communities? Why don't you go home and just love Jesus a little bit more, love your spouse? It starts there. I tell our church that all the time. We're not coming up with some great program to reach our community. We just want to teach men how to be godly men and go love their wives the way that Christ loved the bride. Women, go home and love your husbands the way that Christ loves you. You want to change the world? You want to see, you want to see Shift Church stay in South Knoxville? Invest in the families. I'll be with you, he's telling Joshua. As I was with Moses, I will not fail you. And so what you're seeing here is he's calling him to this land that he's promised them, that he's given them. God has given you influence through your pastor and through the community and through your volunteers. He's given you influence in South Knoxville. So wherever you set foot, he is with you. He is with you. And he will not fail you, and he will not abandon you. Verse 6, he says, listen to this, and this is kind of getting into some like military language. He says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people. He's talking to Joshua, he says, for you are the one. I think in messages like this, I think when it comes to Christianity, it's really easy for you to hear a guy like me talk about a guy like that and think that God's not talking about you. It's really easy for a guy like me to teach about a guy like Joshua saying that God is with him, that you are the one, and for you to think, well, that pastor must be talking to the person beside me because I'm really jacked up and he don't know how much sin I've got in my life. I just want to tell every Christ follower in here, he's talking to you. You are the one. The time has come for you to lead a people, to lead a nation, to lead a job, to lead at home. You are the one. It's you we have to be very careful as Christians when we say things like, yeah, God's going to do it. I believe God can do it. If you've studied anything about Scripture, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be in the seminary to know from Genesis to Revelation that when God does something, he does it through his people. 
So just maybe a question to think about is if you're not seeing God move, I would ask you, are you moving? You're like, hey, I'm waiting on God and I get, you know, be still and know that I'm God, but that doesn't mean what you really think it means anyway. If you're waiting on God, you might just wake up and look in the mirror and I'm being serious and ask yourself, am I moving? I need God to do this. Are you doing it? My wife said something to me. We were talking about a movie and I put a reminder in my phone and I just so clearly had this thought that it was, just, it was genius to hear from her and just so practical and real. And we've been in different seasons of life. When we were talking about this movie, she had watched something, and, but she, she was telling me, and I think this was not last night, but the night before. You know, we pray for these things. You know, God's telling him, be strong and courageous. And we're like, God, I want to be strong and I want to be courageous. And, you know, there's this kind of, um, this thought, and in, in, in Christians were like, but you better, not, you better not pray for patience. Don't be praying for patience. You know, you don't be praying for patience. Or, God, I need patience, right? Or, God, I need, I need to trust you. God, I want to be strong and courageous. And so we'll pray for God. We'll pray for patience, right? We'll pray for trust. We'll, we'll pray for a financial blessing. But in this idea of, okay, God does things, but he does them through his people, do you think that if you're praying for patience, that God is going to give you patience or he's going to give you the opportunity to be patient? I know that's preaching. Y'all should have said something to me. I know it is. I feel the own anointing on myself. Is he going to give you the ability to trust or is he going to give you the opportunity to trust someone? Is he going to, is he going to make you strong and courageous or is he going to give you the opportunity to cross the Jordan River so you can be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous for you are the one. Listen, you just put your name where it says one. You are the one. Justin, you are the one. It's you, brother. It's you. Nobody else. It's you. And that's how you have to feel. It's you. It's you. You're going to lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. When I walk in his will, this is a thought that I want to share with you. When I walk in his will, I don't have to worry about the way that I walk. And let me clarify that. I want to get back to that, pin, that little pin dot on a map. I was praying, God, send me to Atlanta. Like I, send me to the street and show me where I'm going to live and tell me where my kids are going to go to school and tell me what job I'm going to get and how much money I'm going to make. And I was looking for a little pin dot on a map. But then I realized, okay, if Christ is in me, and I'm just trying to reach people for the gospel and I'm trying to have conversations and be authentic in my faith and make him known, then if I'm walking in his will, I don't necessarily have to worry about every single way that I do it. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say is this. Again, this is either going to cause freedom or it's going to cause frustration. When you're in Christ, sometimes you're asking God, should I be doing this? And really he's looking back down saying, why are you not doing this? You're, listen, Freedom or frustration right here. You go to Walmart or you go to, I don't even know what stores around here in South Knoxville, Chapman Highway, you're, yeah, there's a Walmart on Chapman Highway, right? I need to get more familiar with the area, but I did a little homework. Listen, you don't have to go in there if you're in God's will and think about, hmm, should I pray for this person? You don't have to pray and ask God, should I pray? He wants you to pray. Newsflash, Okay. If you're walking in his will, and here's what you have to remember, that God spoke to Joshua and said, the time has come for you to lead this people. You've got to go across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving you. 
And when you do that, wherever you set foot, I'm with you. So if God speaks that, then how, how can I be concerned about the way that I'm going as long as I'm in the will of his going? There is freedom in Christ. You need to be reminded that when I walk in his will, I don't have to walk on, you know, a straight, narrow line and tiptoe around God because he's a big God. So we take big risk and we trust him for big results. God is not just confined to this stage. He's this room. He's the air I breathe. You can't limit him to a single way if you're walking in his will. Again, Joshua, he speaks to him in verse 7. He says, be strong. And listen, now he says, very courageous. You've got to have courage if you're going to follow Christ. If you're comfortable in your Christianity, then complacency is killing your calling. You have to be courageous. It takes bold faith to get out into a world that's ever increasingly separating from biblical truths and who God is to share with him to be a light in a dark place. And I'm not talking about Bible thumping them. I'm not talking about going out and beating them over the head. I'm talking about loving them the way that Jesus loved you. That takes courage. You know why? I feel, like, I feel led to say this, and Derek said I could say whatever I wanted, so if you don't like it, you can blame it on him because here's the good news. He'll be back next Sunday. I'll be at my church, so you won't see me. That's why I like guest speaking somewhere because sometimes I can say stuff and make people mad, but I don't have to see you again, so it works out pretty well for me. It takes courage to go out into a world when we see the world living contrary to what we believe. It takes courage to go out and love a gay community. It takes courage to go out and love a racist community. It takes courage to love a murderer. It takes courage to love someone who's different than you. It takes courage. It's really, it's really a level of ignorance to think that God wouldn't want you to love somebody that doesn't meet your standard. It says, for God so loved the world. I'm not saying you have to agree with anything that I've just said. You don't have to agree with the murder. You don't have to agree with someone who lives a particular sexual lifestyle. I'm not saying that I do. But it takes courage to love. And you've got to be very courageous and you've got to be strong. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do you know what would have been so much easier for us if we read this? And he said, be careful to obey some things that Moses gave you. He's talking about the word of God here. I mean, wouldn't it have been easier if it was just like, hey, Joshua, by the way, I've given you all this land. You're going to go lead these people, and don't forget about the word of God. And the good news is you only have to keep some of the rules. And what you don't understand is kind of sweep it under the rug. And, you know, Christians are really good at like, hey, I'll pick one thing out that I know a little bit about, and I'll, 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 I'll nail my, my hammer down on this nail, but then, like, we'll let 99 other things go. He says, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Listen, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful. Listen, how do I become prosperous? How do I become successful? How do I take risks for the gospel, for the sake of Christ, and reach people? I obey his instructions, and then only then will I be successful. See, the way that God calculates success is not the way that humanity does. We identify success as what kind of car we drive, how big is our house, what kind of clothes can I buy, do I have money, can I do this, where do I shop at? God says, hey, are you just following me? Listen, you want to be risky? I just thought about this. You want to be risky? Why don't you just follow Jesus? That's pretty risky these days. 
It's not risky to go out and live a promiscuous lifestyle. It's not risky to go out and put a needle up in your arm. I mean, there are health risks to that. I mean, just want to clarify. <laughs> Please don't leave here and be like, hey, pastor said I can do this. But it's risky to follow Jesus. You know why? Because it's going to cost you something. But when you follow his instruction, you're obedient to that. When you're taking risks, then you'll be successful in everything you do. And we're almost done. Verse 8, he says this. Study this book of instruction five minutes every morning when you wake up for your devotion. Study this book when you feel like it. Study this book even when you can't understand what the crap is going on in the book of Leviticus. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey. Listen, some things, what I like, know everything written in it. You want to take a risk? Try being obedient. Everything written in it. And again, he says this, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Two verses left, verse 9. He says this. This is, again, this is God speaking to Joshua. He said, this is my command, again, for the third time. If there's something you know about biblical numerology, it's perfection, it's completion. So he's not just using these words because he's not creative enough to come up with something else. He's got a, he's got a purpose behind this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. I love this word right here, and it hit me so hard. Or discouraged. And I could ask the question, how did God know to put that in there? But I mean, it obviously is he's God, right? But don't be afraid because we've not been given a spirit of fear. But he says, don't be discouraged either. And you know why? Because he knew that Joshua was going to face some opposition. He knew that he was going to face some obstacles when he crossed that Jordan River. God knows that there are obstacles in your life right now, and he's telling you, don't be discouraged. Why? Because remember, nothing is going to stand against you. Anything that we're going through is only for a season. Any pain, any turmoil, any discontentment that we feel, any even cancer, if it's criticism or slander, it's just a season compared to eternity. And so I want to remind the brother or sister in here this morning, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged for the Lord, your God, your God, your God, man, is with you. Don't be discouraged. He is with you wherever you go. Now, listen, I've heard this message, not this particular message, but I've heard these scriptures taught, and this is always like a great place to end, and band comes up, and it just takes off, and he's, yeah, he's with us wherever we go, and he is. But I got to reading a little bit more, and I want to just share one more verse with you that I feel like will tie this in to you. Verse 10 says this, Joshua then commanded the officers, leave me here, please, he commanded the officers of Israel. Do you see what happened here was God spoke to the leader and then the leader spoke to the people. Do you understand that's the operation of the church? That God speaks to his messenger. He speaks to his shepherds and their job is to come to the people. Shepherds are not God. We hear from our father and we speak to his people. 
Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, verse 11. He said, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. This is what I believe about Ship's Church right now, that God is speaking to your shepherd, he's speaking to your pastor, and his job is to come through the camp on Sunday mornings and tell you, let's get our provisions ready, let's get our, our, let's get our battle weapons ready, let's get ready because there's a battle going on, we've got a Jordan River to cross, but God is with us wherever we set foot, and he has promised us the land that we're entering into, he will be with us wherever we go. Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready, in three days, now listen, I know I'm speaking fast because it means I'm about to end. I know it's coming and you don't, so hang with me. I'm about thinking about a 24-hour time period right now, okay? So don't think, about, don't think about like from Sunday to Tuesday or Monday to Wednesday, three-day period. I want you to think about this biblical numerology. Three means perfection or completion. And what I'm trying to tell you, therefore, the time has come now. It's the perfect time for you to get your provisions ready to go to war, to go to battle in this community, to go to battle for your spouse, to go to battle for your, for your children, Get your provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River. And listen to what it says. You will cross the Jordan River and you will take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. A moment ago, and I hope you did it, I asked you, what's the Jordan River you need to cross? What's the obstacle you feel like is preventing you from receiving the promises of God? And what I love about it is Joshua, he heard from God, you're going to cross the Jordan River you're going to cross this thing that seems impossible, but I'm going to make a way when it seems there is no way. Joshua believed it, and Derek, he went back to his people and told them, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to cross the Jordan River. We're going to reach people for the gospel, Courtney. Why? Because he's not just a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And when I receive it and I believe it, I can then share it and lead my people. And so two last things I want to share with you. Where there is no risk, there is no reward. If we're not taking risk for the gospel... We'll never be rewarded for reaching people. If Shift's church does not believe in the vision that's been laid before you, if you're not taking risk, you won't reap the reward. Just as if you don't plant, you won't reap a harvest. Where there is no risk, there is no reward. If you are dissatisfied, if you are not content about the level of active faith that you're living, if you're not feeling rewarded, I would just ask yourself, am I taking risk for you, God? Now, here's what I know. A risk is this. Maybe, I don't even know what you guys are thinking. Maybe you're thinking, well, a risk, I'm definitely not planting a church. I'm not, you know, I'm not moving my family from Rutledge down here to do this. I get it. That's not the call for everybody. But you know what maybe your risk is? That you leave here today and you just go home and you have a conversation with your spouse about faith and you normally don't do that. And it's a little awkward for you. And it's risky because you don't know everything. You can't quote all the scripture. You call a friend this week and you tell him how awesome Pastor Peyton was. And you begin to share. That was a joke. You share, you share something that God spoke to you. And you've been having spiritual conversation with him. That's a risk for you because you never, you'll never call them and talk about your faith. If you're going to see rewards of people being reached, then you've got to be taking risk. You've got to be taking risk. And I'll also tell you this then, where there is no risk, there is no faith. When someone tells me that they love Christ, listen, faith comes by hearing the word of God, and I'm, I get that, but don't just tell me about your faith, I want to see it. It's one thing for me to get up here and preach the gospel but it's another if I don't go home and love my wife the way that I've challenged you to. It's one thing for me to say, hey, 
I believe that Jesus Christ can save my soul and send me to eternity. But it's another thing to walk out in the streets where you live, work, and play and tell people about it. You do know this, that if you believe in Christ, that makes you no difference than the demons. Believing is not enough. Where there is no risk, there is no faith. Tell me that you want to reach people. Let me see your faith. And it's both. You've got to talk about it, but man, you've got to walk it out as well. If you're going to see generations in a community and homes and families changed and schools like Bonnie K Elementary, do you understand? Do you even acknowledge I get the portable scene? Our church did it for two and a half years. Do you understand what kind of Jerusalem you're sitting in right now? Do you understand the influence that the Father's given you? He's already given it to you. And if you're not taking risk, you're not living by faith. You're living by feelings. And they come and go, and they're wishy-washy, and they get trampled on all the time. The Father is raising up a people group right now in this room. There are people in this community that have not yet come. And the Father's counting on you to reach them. Not him. God wants to do it through you. And wherever you set foot, he is with you. One more thing I want to show you. Y'all know I'm a preacher, right? Because I said one more thing like five times. But this is it. I promise. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. Everyone in here has a heart with multiple things going on right now under the sound of my voice. Those who are listening, those who are listening to this podcast at a later date, you've got a heart and it's troubled and it's hurting. On your best day, According to Jeremiah, your heart is wickedly deceitful and do not trust it. Next time someone tells you advice like, hey, just follow your heart, you just walk away because that's not good advice. Your heart is deceitful. Don't follow your heart. But you've come here this morning to Ship's Church for whatever reason you're here. And you've heard this message and you're like, okay, pastor, I get it. God wants me to take, you know, big risk and, and trust him for big results. And, and I'm encouraged and I love your tone as you read scripture and I get that he was with Joshua and he allowed him to cross this Jordan River and he was calling up a people group and you're like, therefore the time has come and I understand it, but I'm just not there because my heart, you don't know my heart this morning. You don't know the pain I'm going through. You don't know the struggles that I'm facing. And this is what we believe at City Lights Church and I know that Pastor Derek is the same way. We don't play pretend at City Lights. We're not pretentious. We don't act one way when we're living in a completely different way. We're real people, we're authentic, and we're all hurting people. That's why we need Jesus. And let me just bring something to just a little bit better light to you. I need Jesus just as much as you do. Perhaps that was, that's what qualifies me to come up here and speak to you. It's because I know the need. I know what it's like to have a troubled heart. I know what it's like for you to say, Pastor, I want to take risks for the gospel, but my heart is hurting. I can barely breathe in the morning when I get up. 
I know what it's like to battle depression and anger and resentment and think, God, why have you done this to me? And so here's what happens. Every time we face an obstacle situation in our life, we try to take a risk, we try to take a step, and we want to go, but here's what you don't know, Pastor, is... I just went through a terrible relation split. So you've come here this morning and all these things, they begin to tear your heart. Pastor, listen, I really want to make a difference and I, I want to do some things. I want to invest in the kingdom through Shift's Church, but I've, my finances are going to collapse. And so you feel guilty as the offering bucket comes around and so it tears your heart out. Pastor, I want to be strong and courageous, but I'm so afraid because people always leave me. I can't trust in anybody, in anybody in humanity, and now you want me to trust God, and basically it's like my heart's just being tore out all the time, every single day. Pastor, I know that, I know that God wants me to save myself sexually for my spouse. And I want to do that as well, but you don't understand. I've been giving my body away. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. You've, this is right now. You've gathered this morning, and this is the type of heart you bring to worship. A heart that's tore apart by pain, guilt, Shame. Should I have done this? Should I have done that? I could have loved more. I could have stopped. I should have done this. And at best, this is what you bring to worship. At best. On our best day, we owe him nothing. We offer him nothing but filthy rags. As we were worshiping earlier, we're singing, open up our eyes. And I love, we're sons and daughters. Man, this is what we were doing. Though. We're sons and daughters with hearts that are torn apart. And only God can move in us. Only he is the one that can reconcile this. And so I know what it's like to hear this message and, and be encouraged and be inspired, but on a, uh, what's beating in your chest is this heart that's torn apart. But I want to remind you that the Father will never fail you or abandon you, and only He, only God can make things new. And so this morning, the greatest risk that you might need to take, I'm talking truly, take is committing yourself to genuinely, authentically, radically following Jesus. In a 10-second story, I would tell you that I prayed Jesus when I was I prayed for Jesus when I was 13, accepted him into my heart and got baptized. Well, you know what I did? I went off and lived like hell for many, many years. Then I joined the army and it only got worse because I was cocky and made money. On January 21st, 2009 was the night that I would tell you I became a Christ follower. And here's what happened to me. I'm not saying that's your story, and I'm not saying I got saved when I was 13 and saved in 2009. What I'm saying is I became a Christ follower. I committed my life to his truths and making those truths known to a community that desperately needs him. And this was the heart of that driveway at midnight at 9-something Madera Street in Clinton, freezing with just a bag on my back and nowhere to go and no hope was the heart that I brought before him. Telling him, God, make me strong, make me courageous. Please be with me wherever I go. And let me tell you what the Father did and what he'll do for you.
That night, he gave me a new heart. And that's what he wants to do for you this morning. You feel no hope. You don't feel strong. You don't feel courageous. You've come here with a heart that's torn apart, secrets that only God knows about. And maybe the greatest risk you could do is commit to following him right now. I mean, following him. And he alone can give you a new heart. Father, we come before you.